Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast, YouTube, Facebook. Maybe you're listening to us later as an audio podcast. Wherever you get your audio podcast, it is all good. And I don't want to belabor this too much because I know Pete is champing at the bit here to He's get a going champ, because right. this he is a champ this is the beginning of the month and at the beginning of the month we pay a little bit of tribute to our patreon supporters the supporters at the five dollar and up level by giving them a little thank you by reading their names if you support us for less that's fine too uh, yeah, but we're just not going to read your name. That's all. <laughs> we won't vaguely go. mispronounce your name if you don't get it. Oh, yeah, come on, it's, man. A, it's a little bit of uh, pay two dollars. Don't get punished, I guess. Is the thing. Pay five dollars. Uh Oh, that's called reverse marketing. Go yeah, ahead. I don't think it's working very well. <laughs> Let's kick it off with Oitis Larson. Aaron C. Hollis. Adam DeRose. Adam Harwitz. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Andrew. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Beercat, PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Carrie Matthews. Chris Leatherman. Christina Germarillo. Still nailing it. Christina Rensfield. Chris Terlizzi. Clemens Luah. Corbidor Bedoodle. C- Curtis LaRock. Demand Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Cabral. Daniel Fuentes. Danny Heck. Debbie Gloom. Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart. Doug Sodaway. Dylan L.J. Eduardo Martinez. Emmett Quish. Aaron Dorian. Jeffrey Risher. Gerard de Villiers. Isaac Carter. Jake Fry. James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jaron Townsend. Jason Donahue. Jeffrey Whaley. John George. Jonathan Jong. Jonathan McCool. Joshua W. Broxon. Julian Lobato. KC Newhaven. Don't do the crime if you can't pay Kevin Grimes. Oh. If the Kevin Kleins are rocking, don't come a-knocking. Kieran Broderick. <laughs> Cody Thomas. Kyle. Luana Thomas. Lucas Inc. Mark Zeller. Mac Tice. Matthew C. Hernandez. Megan Thigpen. Michael Tillman. Nelson Kelso Martinez. Nick Graham. Nick Grayson. Official CBC chef Brett Macris. Oren Dix. Pedro A. Wrangle. Pete's. Pretty Kitty. Provocative yeah. Ambulance. Mike, a Rev Mikey. Yeah, give him the title. Robert Petinato. Sarah Schottmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Stanley. Tamila Rush. Taylor Bryan. 
The Big Flood. The Twelve Banch. Thomas Glenn. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. W.M. Leach. Zachary Bachman. And of course, Zika's Viral Comics, a disease that is several diseases ago, so great to have you here. That's the list. Shout out to the Sarahs. Thanks for supporting us. Yeah, for real. Thank you so much to everybody. And I know I was joking about it before, but any level you support us at, we really appreciate it. It is patreon.com slash comic book club for only $2. You get access not only to our Patreon Slack, which is very active and very fun, but also our back catalog of podcasts from 2011 through 2022, which is literally thousands of podcasts that you could listen to right now. Some of them even good. (laughs) <laughs> Imagine comparing our younger, our what, 12-year younger selves to what mm. we're saying right now. Uh, Who? What a time. What a So time. full of hopes and dreams. <laughs> uh, you know who else is full of hopes and dreams is our wonderful guests tonight. So I am going to bring in the first one here. He has a project from Zoop, which is called Odds and Ends, which is coming out very, very soon uh next week in fact so we're gonna bring him into the stream here ladies and gentlemen craig rasmussen hey all right hey hey. hello did i get everybody how are you did i get the name you got it perfect first one ever oh man there we go first one ever it's a day Uh, full of awards (laughs) (laughs) uh craig Thanks so much for coming on. Very excited to chat about this project. So as mentioned, we are a week away from you launching your Zoop campaign for this. This is a very interesting one uh, because as the title indicates, it's odds and ends. It is a collection of a lot of stuff that you worked on over your career. So how did this come together and how did you select the parts for this project? Well, I mean, quality was my first uh, criteria for selecting anything. I wanted to make sure the story was told clearly. Yeah, right. Uh, I wanted to make sure the story was told clearly and that I liked the art. And then I felt like in some way, at least, it stood up to what I'm doing currently. Um, I always go go with what's on top of the pile. What's the closest thing to the top of the pile? (laughs) That's just me. Well, I mean, the, the most recent, obviously, would be the closest to the top, but uh, I'm actually going pretty far back. I'm going almost 15 years back into the archives. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And, but I will, I will tell you, and this will be a reveal for this episode, I am doing a little bit of a, I shouldn't say a George Lucas, that still feels like a slur, but I'm actually remastering <laughs> so, some of the older oh. stuff. Oh, um, there will not be any ill-placed droids floating in a weird depth of field around anybody, uh, but there definitely is... Uh, a few additions going on and I'm pretty happy with updating a lot of it at this point. So it's kind of You're fun, changing frankly. it so that Greedo shot first in your <laughs> nice. In your always. I mean, Greedo hasn't, hasn't he always shot first? I thought, sorry. You can not can't the, me. Total just, sidebar, just, but isn't it crazy so, to look. think of George Lucas, like not going, being able to sleep at night because he's like, Han, he can't shoot first. I got to put the other guy who we never see again and make him do it. He's a millionaire, but he's the many good times guy. over. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, talk us through some of this I mean, material then. Uh, for for anybody <clears throat> who doesn't necessarily know your oeuvre, as I like to pronounce Ooh, it, uh, wow. <laughs> talk oh, us through that a little oeuvre. bit. Oeuvre. Oeuvre. Get it. Oh, um, that's it. The, uh, you know, the gist of it is most of it is science fiction. There's a little bit of humor, and there's one period piece, like historical epic, in it. Um, nice. And in general, that's kind of this this the tertiary criteria, if you will, is the science fiction element, because that's what I'm branding myself as these days. Uh, pretty much my, the back of my business card says purveyor of fine science fiction, because that's, 
I kind of I kind of realized that at some point, even going all the way back to my childhood, my favorite movies were always the science fiction movies. And I, I did like the Chris Reeves Superman, but frankly, I liked E.T. and I liked Return of the Jedi a whole lot more as far as the, the first things I saw in the theater. Um, so, you know, these these stories feel like they fit together in that way. And it's all got an element of world building that is very consistent. So even if the artwork isn't necessarily the same standard as I'm putting out today, the world building is actually, I mean, if I may say so myself, hold on, I got to pat myself on the back. It's pretty strong for what it is. So uh, I'm just, you know, I, I see a consistency in my own work. And a few years ago, um, right here behind me, I have the original edition of odds oh. and ends that I printed Ooh, uh, nice. for San Diego Comic-Con exclusively in 2018, 2017. And uh, I only printed 50. They sold out pretty fast. And it was That's a thing awesome. that kind of had a shadow of a memory in people's minds. And some people were asking me about it. And when I went to look at reprinting it, I decided to go back into the archives a little bit more and dig a little deeper and see what else I had. And it turns out I had enough for two volumes. So both volumes are coming in at about 85 to, to 88 pages of actual comic book content, and then there's going to be a little bit of supplemental content for every story, probably. Nice. So it's all going to—they're all going to be uh, two uh, two 100-page graphic novel anthologies, essentially. So, um, like I said, they all kind of match to a certain extent, um, and I cover a lot of science fiction ground, everything from you know the the utopia to the dystopia to the post-apocalypse to time travel, pretty much anything I can get my hands on. I've, I've been trying to cut my teeth on the genre of science fiction for a long time, so. They all complement each other in that way, with the one exception of the historical epic. But since I have a time travel story that actually is edited in prior to the historical epic, I'm already playing with period exactly. pieces throughout the, the book. So it, it all it feels pretty unified, honestly. And, and I know that uh, um, anthologies are not the most uh, sellable or most popular thing. Uh, but that's not necessarily true. There have been some good anthologies that have sold in the past. And the Odds and Ends is, uh, title is a tradition that I didn't even realize existed because Richard Corbin put out an Odds and Ends of comic book ah. work that he had done. So he's now, one of my favorites, and I feel happy to be included. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Let me ask you, though. Um, what was it like going through your older stuff? Like, were you like... Did you find that those gems where you're like, oh, I thought this was good before, and now I think it's great? Uh, was that like a nice sort of exploratory process just personally for you? Yeah, it really is. I mean, right now I'm going through a phase of actually inking a story. This this is the time travel character here on the cover of the original edition. And I had originally printed pencils of 11 pages of his story. And so what I'm doing right now to, to really sweeten the deal on the new odds and ends release, I'm inking the entire first issue. So it's 24 pages. And there are elements of storytelling in there that I kind of wonder sometimes. I'm like, would I even make this decision now? Because this decision is awesome. You know, and I sometimes <laughs> feel a little hamstrung by, you know, the comic book convention. And I mean, so to speak, no pun intended, but like the, you know, just <laughs> wanting to have clear storytelling and wanting to use storytelling methods that are common to comics as opposed to breaking some rules here and there. And, and it is kind of fun to, to look at my younger self and be like, this guy's breaking rules all over the place. We're a rebel and kind of enjoy <laughs> this it. This guy was crazy. So, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely elements where I'm impressed. There's definitely elements where I'm like, oh, my God, that's a long neck. I need to fix those shoulders, you know, kind of thing. Like there's definitely anatomical problems that I have to adjust, which is I'm kind of happy that in some cases I left some pencil alone so that I could go back in the long run and, and actually ink it and upgrade the quality. 
Um, and I've been doing that kind of all the last year because I've been, uh, for my own business, Monkey Gong, as a publishing label, I, like I said, I'm trying to build a science fiction brand. So for a while, I have been building up these different stories that are all part of the same world and same timeline, more or less. And so a lot of stuff was partially finished. I had chapters here, chapters there. And so I had already spent the last year kind of inking up some stuff and upgrading the quality and realizing that it wasn't that hard. And, and maybe, you know, that I was better earlier than I thought I was in some cases. And definitely, I got to tell you, there's going to be some stuff after this campaign is over that's going to be the real nuts and bolts of upgrading work. Because there's a couple of things that are, <laughs> I'm going to have to do something. Because the quality of the, of the stuff that's highest quality is, is I'm, I'm, I don't want to be impressed with myself. But, you know, when, to be proud of your work is a thing that's really important to keep sure. going as a creator. So now that I'm becoming proud of more of the stuff, there's a few of the stories where I'm like, okay, guy, you're going to have to do something, even though I do think they still fit. So. I love that you're proud of your past self, and that's inspiring you to be better now, but even better than you were. It's like a nice little loop. Every person, every creator should do this, no matter what their medium is, I feel like. Yeah, interesting. I think so, too. I'm learning a lot. Uh, just to take a big step back here, and we've had a bunch of different creators from Zoop, but I just want to make sure for anybody who is listening for the first time, what is Zoop? And what, how, <laughs> uh, if you could just talk about how you got hooked up with them and what eventually the campaign is going to look like a week from now as we're taping, but potentially people listen to this later when it's live. Yeah. Well, Zoop is a crowdfunding platform similar to Kickstarter, but it's for comic books only. Um, and it has a little bit more flexibility. It's got add ons, it's got um, a similar stretch goal structure, um, but it seems to me like, it's not as beholden to the single project thing. Um, Kickstarter doesn't allow you to launch a business or launch a label or you know, launch a world. You kind of have to, have to go project by project, which can probably be very good as far as funding it consistently and doing multiple campaigns throughout the year. But in this case, because I'm already in the process of launching my own label, I thought it was perfect to go with Zoop. And because I have been friends with one of the founders of Zoop, uh, through Comic-Con for almost a decade or more, just from seeing each other in the crowd back and forth uh, and knowing that he was creating this platform and then watching the platform kind of take off because I had other friends like Dan Panosian and, and Gonzo, Jay Gonzo, do successful campaigns through there, Tony Harris. Um, people that have good names and put out good projects with great art have had good experiences, you know? Um, I mean, Dan Panosian's art book, one of the things I funded first. It's just I can't get enough yeah. of that guy's yeah. work. Oh, yeah. And that's he was great. happy with the experience. And if Dan likes it, I like it. You know, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, in general, I like that it's dedicated to comics only because it feels like it's immediately entrenching itself in the community as opposed to Kickstarter, which is great for the community, but it's weirdly faceless as well. Like, it's a weirdly anonymous not corporate entity per se, but it almost gets there to the corporate entity where you can't really, like, penetrated or see behind the curtain at all you know and I, I don't feel personal involvement from them as a company at conventions and whatnot whereas eric and jordan i see them at conventions all over the place i've already seen mm. both of them now at two conventions so it's just you i know, don't want to scare it, you but they're thing. behind you they're behind uh, you right yeah now. they're right behind you it's uh, i think you mean content. in terms of support 
Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metaphorically, that's what yes. we're always uh, <laughs> speaking of things that are behind you. You got an interesting <laughs> uh, murder board kind of set up. I'm always interested in how creative people stay organized. Do you have like outlines back there, or what? What is that kind Pete, of setup? sir? Sir, there is no red string on that board, so you okay. can't call it a murder. All right, but, all right. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, post-it look, notes and no, uh, different know. kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah. You are planning uh, a murder, just to be clear. Yeah. That's a note cardboard for murder. Just to be clear, on this recorded platform, I am planning a murder, and I am going to murder the comic book industry. <laughs> okay, we with can my arrest work. him. Wrap um, it up, boys. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah. It. The cops we'll, we'll, are right um, behind you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I you know, honestly, I. Um, I'm kind of addicted to the three by five card method for uh, screenwriting or for story writing. I learned it from Robert McKee. You know, I read story years ago and was yeah. working on a couple of scripts trying to put some stuff out for sale. And I realized that that was the most immediate, like, uh, you know, Ethernet version of getting to the story setup. Like, instead of trying to noodle my way through a script, it's like I have, you know, that's like a dial up connection. And this is something much faster where I can cool. just break down the story quickly and uh, kind of have the structure in mind and kind of know what my goals are as opposed to trying to find my way through it. And that sort of translated pretty quickly to just general project notes and, you know, keeping story concepts sort of in line. And a lot of what you see behind me that I'm purposely blocking with my head so nobody screenshots and steals my ideas. Yeah, um, that's good. Is, is you know, I, I, I just have too many ideas. I have too many story ideas. It's one of the reasons that odds and ends exists because there's just a bunch of stuff that I took a crack at here and there and I was fascinated with the idea. And, you know, I, I went far enough into executing it that it, it is relatively self-contained in each of the cases of the stories that are in here. And I want to say that there's, uh, there's at, at current count, there's 19 different stories or story concepts that are in the wow. two volumes of Odds and Ends. So uh, on the board there, there's another like 500. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, impressive. you know, it's a way to so keep myself say, as organized as I can. Yeah. Ignore me for a second, but um, Craig's board, Enhance. Computer enhance, <laughs> enhance, enhance. Now Got steel, it. steel. Computer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just hearing the Blade Runner sound effects now of zooming into the photo yeah. track. Right, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Still works. So when the Zoop campaign does launch in a week, other than the books, obviously, what other odds and ends might people expect from the campaign? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, this here is Sojourners, which is a uh, space monkey, uh, simian space odyssey, I've been calling it, uh, adventure that I put out for uh, conventions th over the summer and fall. Um, that's 29 pages of story in black and white, which is the first roughly half of a graphic novel. Um, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. That's my, my newest artwork that's been published uh, as far as my own self-publishing. Um, and so far, the re responses are great. Like, people are having a lot of fun reading that. I'm hearing, you know, actual, I think, objective, random responses to it that's really nice because I don't think I've ever had that for my work before with the exception of ha being at a convention and having my work laid out in front of people. Mm. So it's the next best thing. Um, I also have Technopolis here, which is an early edition of another graphic novel. This will probably be three full graphic novel books, and I have the first one done in pencil, and I'm in the middle of inking that. Um, so both of these are readable. You know, they're, they're separate comics from Odds and Ends, so it's pretty easy to get a big bundle of comics right away. Um, and on top of that, I also have a massive 2022 sketchbook that may actually end up being perfect bound like a graphic novel, depending on how much I choose to put in it, because I had a very wow. productive year last year. Um, yeah. There's sticker bundles and you know there's like this shirt that you can get that'll be Ooh, attached nice. to you know as an add-on um call that piston head i'll give a little more of a glimpse there yeah um nice. just Enhanced. like to stick my chest out and on camera. shirt um, flex 
Yeah, mad shirt flex, bro. So <laughs> in, in general, um, I'm trying to make everything that I can accessible. And definitely I'm offering a bunch of sketch covers. I printed sketch cover editions of both Sojourners and Technopolis. So I'm offering those plus commissions, plus, you know, headshots and or busts and whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm just cool. trying to make as much available as possible through this campaign. Because like I said, to me, it's, it's kind of an overall mega launch. It's not really just for odds and ends, although that's how it started. So, I'm putting my email address in right now so that I can get notified. Yeah, yeah that's that awesome. awesome. Craig, this guys. is so Thanks, cool. Justin. Such a great campaign. And it seems like so many things that you can get from it, too, which is great. Again, yeah. it starts officially on January 17th. Is that correct? Yep. Tuesday, next right. Tuesday, one week from today. All right. There All we nice. go. Good luck, Scared, Craig. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> ready to go. We got a whole countdown yeah. thing going on social media. It looks great. You're going to do just fine. Thank you. All right. Thank you very Greg. much. I appreciate this, you guys. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, Thanks, man, Craig. It's a no pleasure. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Take care of yourself. Enhance. Take care. <laughs> uh, that was the opposite of enhance. I kicked him out of the stream. You dehance. Oh, uh, but again, check it out at Zoop. It's called Odds and Ends. It launches on January 17th, and it looks very, very cool. Yeah. We are going to invite our next guests into the stream now. They've got a new book from Image Comics that is coming out called Black Cloak. Ladies and gentlemen, Melody, oh, Meredith McLaren and Kelly Thompson. Hello. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I'm going to unmute Kelly. Kelly is unmuted. There we go. Thank you so much for coming. Very excited to chat about this. Um, very excited to chat with both of you. This book is really cool. But before so we cool. start, uh, one thing I wanted to mention here. So in our Patreon supporters list, we listed mm. official CBC chef Brett Macris. Uh, and that actually isn't a joke. He helps us out with some stuff sometimes. And one of the things that he does every once in a while, this isn't absolutely every week, but every once in a while he designs a drink based around our guests. And that's what he did with his book. So I wanted to bring up the recipe here. Uh, he designed a drink called the Black Cloak. It is oh, uh, tequila, so cool. mezcal, coffee liqueur, orange bitters, and orange peel. It's dark and complicated. Uh, and it's just very, like Brett. <laughs> just like Brett. <laughs> well, just like the book, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's very cool. And there's a light bit of a like orange fantasy there at the end. Uh, so there you go. Nice. Very cool. Yes. But why don't we chat about this book? Why don't we talk about this book, Black Cloak, which is coming out? Um, so this has been running, uh, Kelly, I believe, on your Substack for a while. Is that originally where it was and now it's moving over to Image? Or did I get that detail entirely wrong? Oh, no. I don't Kelly, think we have here? her. Oh, <laughs> boy. All right. Uh, Meredith, oh. why don't you answer that? I'm going to kick Kelly out and re-invite her in. Okay. Uh I'm sorry. The question was directed at Kelly. I blinked. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, uh, no, no just, you. If you want to talk about the inspiration behind Black Cloak and Kelly, I'm going to kick you out. And invite uh, you back. I think Kelly put it most succinctly uh, just recently as um, Game of Thrones and true crime, but like the early seasons of Game of Thrones. So before right. the intrigue, before people got upset with it, before they were robbing <laughs> gold trains. Uh, Kelly, are you there? Well, I've been here all along. Can you not hear me? We, we can hear you now. Yeah, so we can hear you now. I was, I was
was so answering the question, Meredith. I really was. <laughs> I was also raving about the drink and saying how cool it was and wondering why nobody cared. That drink is awesome. Thank you so much. Dude, we'll, I'll have to try it. If it's yes. really that good, maybe we could put it in Black Cloak. That would be fun. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's Brett's cool. legit. Brett's the head chef at a, a New Orleans restaurant called Kushan. If you're ever down there, go to that place. Well, he had me at tequila, so yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember the question. Did Meredith answer it? Uh, I sort of said it was like a... True Crime meets Game of Thrones, but the early seasons. Oh, so. yeah. So, just, <laughs> just um, before we even get to the concept, this started off as a oh, Substack book, right? The image, right, right. The image yeah. of it all. So, yes, uh, it, you have it mostly right. I think it was always intended to be in print. Um, I talked to Eric at Image before we even launched, and we were always going to do it in print. And Substack people knew that going in. Um, but so yeah, we have just done the last. Gosh, uh, chapter six went up with it, which is issue four, just this week. So yeah, we've been running it on the Substack, but this is the big print debut for most readers. Um, we have a really great, if small, sort of following on the Substack. It's been really fun to sort of like test it out in that environment. But yeah, we're excited for tomorrow's the big the big test, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. Can you talk about. Can you talk about breaking up the issues a little bit? Because like you said, there's six chapters, you're putting them in four issues. What's the difference between taking it from online on the Substack to moving it into the print edition? What were the challenges there? Well, so I think initially the challenges were really tough. Um, I think probably a little more on me than on Meredith in the sense that I just had to make different choices about where to break the script because we thought people were going to want it in smaller weekly installments. But mm -hmm. we actually, once the Substack readership had settled in a little bit, we actually just did a poll. We're like, hey, they're the ones subscribing to it. Let's just ask them, how do they want to ingest it? And most of them came back with that they'd rather read larger chunks monthly than a weekly thing, which was great for us because it meant we could just not have to try to meet both masters, you know? Um, uh, but it does, it is part of the reason we ended up with such an oversized first issue. Although I think that's great for us, especially because it's sort of, the writing is a little bit stripped down, and so I feel like if you can give more pages to help, especially with new world building, you know, to really, like, make people feel that world and get curious about it and excited and sort of invested. So I think it, it ended up benefiting us by giving us this sort of oversized issue that we probably wouldn't have planned for if we were doing it in a just a traditional way. So it was sort of like happy accidents that, that ended up helping us out, I think. Uh, on the on the note of world building, let me ask: um, Did you start it with the story and the sort of the characters and build toward the larger world, or was it sort of wide world first? Because it feels like we're dropped into a place that has a lot of very specific things happening and rules, uh, but we don't we haven't explored too much yet. I think it's a little bit of both. I think the actual world building, I'll kick a lot of that over to Meredith because a lot of that really comes down to so much of that comes down to her. I think you can't start something that has world building this intensive without exploring that and doing that work. 
but you are right that we've got a different or i at least and meredith has agreed to come along (laughs) i've got i've got an approach where i don't want to explain a lot of stuff i want to i want to excite you through some things meredith's doing and like we throw some weird words in there and some weird creatures and things like that and so i want all of that to be like percolating and like getting people excited about things but I don't want to explain every little thing. I want you to be sort of experiencing it on the fly. And the police procedural sort of gives us that path to cut through the world building. But hopefully, you know, so much of what Meredith's doing is so cool. I think it's really exciting people um, about some of the corners that we're not even getting to yet, you know? Yeah. Well, Meredith, can you talk about your style a little bit here? Because... Uh, This is not necessarily like a high fantasy book, but you do have elves, you do have mermaids and sirens, all these creatures. But what I really love about your style is it almost has this softer, rounded edges to it. So what was your approach? Um, I definitely have a background uh, growing up with manga and anime. And and, uh, later on, the French comics, which Mm. are very animation um, appearing, uh, cool. and then sort of bringing a cartooning to that. I, mm, it's you know, style is not something you consciously end up at. It's like where you come, <laughs> you end up be, uh, as an accident, <laughs> you know. Well, uh, well, let me say on that, like, I feel like the emotions we get out of the char- your characters' faces specifically do a great job of also cutting into the, this larger story that we don't know too much context about. But as long as we can see how the characters are feeling, we ride. And I, yeah. I love that about the, the look that you, you have here. Uh, Kelly was talking about uh, excitement. And, man, I am so excited uh, tomorrow to talk about this book when we can finally talk about it. I was so uh, moved, you know, we're dropped in the middle of action. I love all the characters. I love the pace of it, everything that, uh, this is such a great and creative world that we're thrown into. Can you tell me a little bit about like how you guys first met or like what was the kind of like uh, a tone you agreed upon or kind of like how these worlds collided a little bit? Cause it's really magical. So Meredith and I did what was really my first project in comics is called Heart in a Box. It's a little dark horse uh, graphic novel that we did together. And we met each other through Sophie Campbell, um, who I was a huge fan of, still am. Um, And we were, it was like the 2007, 2008, 2009, those years. I was like blogging and stuff. And Sophie Campbell and I were really becoming friends. And I knew she probably wasn't going to be able to draw a book of mine, especially because she was already a writer in her own right. At that point, she was doing Wet Moon and everything. But I had this book and she had looked at it and was excited about it heart in a box and I was like help me find an artist and she gave me a couple names and Meredith was at the top of the list and when I looked at Meredith's stuff I was like yeah that's it I was like if this girl's into me like that's a fit so Kelly Kelly set everything up (laughs) she put the ball in motion Uh, well in this case Sophie did but yeah we uh yeah and then we just came together and honestly we work really well together um Meredith's style isn't you know necessarily what 
like Marvel and DC big two comics want on their punching books. So, I mean, although I would personally <laughs> love to see that, but yeah. um, I, so it, it hasn't always been that we've been able to work together, but we did some gem together when I was doing gem and the holograms, mm. which was super fun. And yeah, she was the first name at the top of my list when, um, I knew I was getting this Substack money and I had this idea, which I'd been sitting on for a while. And I thought there were some things about it because it was such a mishmash. It was like all my favorite things. I was like, let's put them all in the same book. Like why, why can't sci-fi play with fantasy and why can't fantasy play with detective procedural? Like why I, nobody, nobody has convinced me that those things can't be done together. And so, uh, I just came into it with that in mind. And I really thought, I knew I could trust Meredith. I knew she was reliable. She was smart. I knew she was talented. I knew we worked well together. But I think most importantly, I felt like if she drew that book, I, I was pretty excited about what that was going to look like. Those weird things thrown together. I thought it wasn't going to look like traditional fantasy, but like I know how good she is with color. So I thought it might really turn up the like neo-noir aspect of it and we might have something really special on our hands and I, I think that's where we ended up I think her work really speaks for itself on the visual impact is well and also like the nice thing about working with Kelly is uh, she always asks me to do uh, creatures or settings that I haven't thought about before like uh, I probably would not have ended up in a neo-noir on my own um, but I'll drag really, you kicking and screaming. <laughs> I'm really pleased you did because it's like, I, I feel like I've definitely, uh, I, I'm really proud of everything that we've done with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Speaking I of everything you've done with it, like how, how big or how are we getting this story? Are we getting a ton of issues all at once? Is it in chunks? I just, having read one, I need to know. <laughs> So you'll be getting it monthly from Image. It should be nice and reliable. We're working on five now, so we sh we're well ahead. Um, everything's a little oversized, but not as much as issue one. Not nearly as much as issue one, which is like 50-some pages for five bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other ones are more reasonably sized, you know, 22, 23 pages, stuff like that. For They, they should all be at the $4 price point. Um, and then, so... Everyone should feel super comfortable through six, which I feel like is a really great trade because yeah. that's it's going to be like more like seven and a half or eight issues by the time you're dealing with page content, but page count. But um, it's so we're going to wrap up this murder mystery that you begin in issue one. So like I want everyone to feel like it will be a complete story that will like stand on its own. But there's definitely the way things end it's a big hook for what's next. Oh, yeah, but I think what's next is a question mark. You know, I don't want to, mm. I don't want to talk about this too much. I feel like we just did a cast where I felt like I really yeah. talked about this too much, but you know, it's a little <laughs> bit up to the readers, how much we do, like mm. how much you guys are in love with it or not sort of determines the fate of the book. I mean, we're definitely going through six. That's all great. But if you want to see more, you know, well, I'm already, that's, how we'll, yeah. that's how we'll know, you know? I'm already super in love with it. <laughs> Thank you. That means uh, a lot. I, I did want to get back and ask you about the mishmash thing that you said a little bit. And I know that I mentioned there are mermaids in it. There are elves. There's the sci-fi things that you've talked about. Um, I, I don't know how much you want to get into this because, again, I know you want people to discover as they go along. But what are the rules? What was off limit? What was allowed in your mind in terms of 
being able to use in this fantasy world. I don't know, Kelly, do we have rules? Well, I don't know that you <laughs> me. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I feel like, you know, as a, as a writer, I feel like whenever you go into things, like no matter how much Bible you think you've done for something you're building, all of that to me is not written in ink until you bring your collaborator in. Because... Mm so what if I think this is cool if she's like yeah but what if it's this and I'm like what that's amazing <laughs> like so I think you know until you get their your collaborator in there I mean it's not my vision it's our vision together and you know she takes a roadmap I give her and she makes it into like the most glorious stuff and so it would be foolish of me to like think I know or to think that my idea is better and so I would say a lot of that stuff I had a roadmap, but it just really dramatically changed once Meredith came to the table because just, and also, you know, like there's a lot of stuff, you know, this is the black cloaks are basically homicide detectives. And like, that's a big thing that changed as we were working on it. Um, it, even before I brought it to Meredith, because, you know, the way I feel about cops has changed a lot over the last mm -hmm. decade, you know, and yeah. how how do we talk about that? I, I'm still am always going to be interested in detective narratives and procedurals. That's not going to go away. But so how do we talk about that in a different way within this book? This world is very different than ours, but there are obviously a lot of political and class parallels. Race is handled differently because it less is about skin color and it's more about creature differences, right? But like, yeah, it's just about mixing all those things you love and like trying your best, I think, to discover the ways in which, like, what about setting a police detective in a fantasy narrative? Like, what does it get you that's interesting that you don't get in another? Like, I like to throw those little bombs in, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, a great example of something I didn't do that was all Meredith, but is one of my favorite little details, is it in issue two we see in a morgue? And she just drew all these cool freaking things into the morgue that were not in the <laughs> script. Like one of them was like closed and it like had a bell on it because what if that creature like a, hey, I, we, yeah. we don't know if that creature is really dead or not so like oh, that's awesome. you know like just little stuff like that like that's the way her mind works that's at least a little bit the way my mind works and so when you put it together with two people who are headed for the same goal i, I mean really magical things can happen it's been great uh, I, I can follow up on that for you, Meredith. So then, what when you're looking at that, like draw morgue? Are you like morgue, morgue? Uh, are, like how? What is your brainstorming process for adding those extra details? Oh gosh! Does the um, does the um, does the tool lead you, or are you like actually sitting oh, and thinking about it before you get into it? Um, I knew I wanted like going specifically to the morgue scene. Like I knew I wanted to imply. And I think Kelly had also pointed me in this direction that we needed to push that this was not the average morgue. Uh, and <laughs> what kind of problems would a fantasy world have in containing their dead or uh, supposed dead or uh, yeah. dead but might still come back? <laughs> and this is, this is um, a little bit, I, I can't remember the order of how this happened, but the cover to number three is a mermaid tail with a toe tag on it, like spinning out of a morgue fridge. And when she first did that, 
it was not the mermaid tale, right? It was it was one of the other characters. It was a more normal character. I think it was. I think it was. It and was I just was a pair like, I was yeah. And I was like, am I crazy if this is even better if it's a mermaid tale? No, and that's, that's I, yeah. Meredith and I, was like, yes. And, <laughs> and like, it's one of my favorite covers now. It's yeah, like, I get you know. so many compliments on the mermaid. T- well, I get compliments, and then I get. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, Little Mermaid did not. Meet she a good didn't end. make it. She didn't make it. <laughs> uh, while we're talking mermaids, uh, let me ask you: like, is uh, mermaids you know associate with sort of uh, noir or sort of dark detective? Um, usually, a little bit on the brighter side. What? What? Why mermaids? What? What brought you there? Well. First of all, mermaids are just the absolute best. They're so, cool, very cool. I mean, you know, what better creature? Water and creatures? Like, it's amazing. Um, but <laughs> I think I didn't want them to be typical mermaids, you know? I'm really bored of, like, what we get in mermaids all the time. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What, she's a hot girl with a tail? Like, I not in, not <laughs> interested. I mean, I mean, I am interested because I love mermaids, and that's all we've been getting for decades, so... I mean... I, <laughs> <laughs> they started. They started as monsters, yeah, and then yeah, we sort right. of yeah. defanged them along exactly, the way. Exactly, exactly. But I want to refang them. I'm more. I mean, I'm not saying they should completely be monsters, but I mean, I think Meredith and I are very interested in monsters. It's one of oh, many yeah. reasons why this book is a really fun fit for us. We're interested in that. What What is a monster? What makes a monster? What are mm. you saying by classifying someone that way? So, uh, the, and the mermaids are just another fun thing to subvert a little bit and play with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Hashtag yeah. refang the mermaids. <laughs> Kelly, this is more of a general question. Maybe this just comes down to plotting and nothing else, but how do you approach a mystery? Do you come up with the end first and sort of plot backwards? Do you discover it as you go along? Is it meeting in the middle? Where plot, do you fall? Plot, plot backwards. Plot backwards. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough to do it the other way. I really, for, for a long time, I was like, how does anyone write these? And then I was like, you idiot. They write it because they know the end. Like, <laughs> they know the end. Just That's start so at the end and start working it backwards and figure out where the clues have to go, you know? I mean, honestly, like, I, not that every murder mystery is good. Plenty of them don't work and aren't bad or bad storytelling but yeah that's the secret 100 percent. like you want to know why batman's so smart they start at the end we start at the end and we work backwards it's, it's so funny that's so funny to think of the idea of writing a riddle on the, the front way where you're like uh what's a chair upside down i oh god this is hard i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> i'm uh, even writing like knowing where you end like the that anyone can juggle a murder mystery or any kind of mystery or riddle like that is like mind-boggling to me. It's some—it's something I myself have not cracked, and so I'm like, how did you figure out the little Rubik's cube? I mean, thank God. If Meredith cracks anything else, she'll be unstoppable. So <laughs> I, I need her to stop learning now. So stay where you are. All right. <laughs> Yeah, be thankful, Meredith. If you crack too many murder mysteries, you get much closer to committing an actual murder. So it's good. Stay safe. So I don't know if you can talk about this part, but now that it is at Image, are you still working on the Substack? Are there going to be more issues come there, or is it all coming out through Image? Yeah, we'll still be putting it out on Substack through its end. And I actually have a new book called The Call that isn't on the calendar yet, but that's with Mattia Diulius. That's another creator-owned book. And uh, we're so that'll be on the Substack as well. 
Um, I did actually just, I ended up pausing the Substack right now just because we're running a little behind on our deliverables. But that just means I'm still posting, we're still doing everything. It just means I paused everyone's payment because we're running a little bit behind and I want people to be getting, you know, the, the, the correct bang for their buck. I'm not here to take everybody's money and not give them anything. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be continuing there. We'll be monthly from image. I'm just finalizing issue two files with them right now. It's been a very big learning curve for me, (laughs) but the book looks beautiful. I'm really happy with it. So what is the biggest thing you learned then so far? What the image stuff? Yeah. Um, I wish I knew everything about graphic design and I didn't ever need anybody else's help. Um, <laughs> not not because I don't want people's help, but just because I find it very stressful to have to go, hey, you live 12 hours ahead of me, so I don't even know what right. time it is or what day it is, but now I'm emailing you because someone's telling me on this page we used 4C black instead of only black, and I don't even know what that means. and can you help me fix this file? You know, so like that stuff. I, I hate having to ask other people to help me, honestly. I just want to be able to do it myself. And that's not a great thing. And it's a weird thing because my favorite thing about comics is the collaboration. So you think mm-hmm. I'd learn and get better at that. But yeah, I don't like not knowing I can't fix it on my own if I have to, you know? Also, yeah. Also, the fun thing is, in at least in the comic book industry, every printer... Uh, deviates just a little bit, just, just, just enough, enough. Yeah. that just it's enough. always a new system. Yeah. <laughs> You're just yeah. like, I have to relearn it all over again. Yeah, I mean, Image is incredibly professional, and everyone there is so helpful and friendly and nice. And you know, I made a lot of apologies on the first issue where I'm like, okay, guys, I really appreciate your help because I have no idea what I'm doing. But now I feel like we're on issue two, so I need to look like somebody who learned some things over the last couple months. So we'll see. We'll see. It's, go- it's, it's going okay. It's going okay. Yeah, one we'll issue. See. You don't need to learn that much. It's one issue. Uh, Kelly, you always have a bunch of irons in the fire. What else are you working on right now? Unfortunately, I have something really, really cool I'm working on, and script one is due for it this week. Oh my god, I'm not ready, but I cannot talk about it yet. I do not know when they're going to let me talk about it. It's very cool. It's characters I've never written before. I think people are going to be very pumped. Uh, I'm also finishing up this uh, really fun Captain Marvel arc with the Brood and the X-Men. Uh, We're having a great time. The next issue, number 46, was guest penciled by Javier Pina, which is, he's one of my faves. It's a beautiful issue. I'm super excited. We've also, um, I think the last issue of It's Jeff, which is a digital comic, is, it's coming out this month if it didn't come out last week already. But there's also a print edition coming out in March, so that's exciting. But honestly, a lot of my time is still going to um, The Cull. Um, finishing up this first arc of Black Cloak and this book, The Call, I'm doing with Mattia Deolius, which we don't have that on the schedule yet with Image, but I would think maybe summer, question mark? So nice. it's, And it's a really beautiful book. Like, when that comes out, you have to check it out, because it's, <laughs> it's... I'm blown away when whenever <laughs> Kelly's show is anything. It's incredible. Meredith saw issue one, because she's doing a variant cover for us, and she came back and she was like, so um, he really knows what he's doing with colors, huh? And I was like, yeah, that's, that's an understatement. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's incredible. But I have to say one of my favorite things, and it wasn't really deliberate, but I am happy with how it worked out. Um, the, 
the they're so different um you know highly realistic painted style from madia mm. but like super sort of more cartoony abstracted style with meredith that's more like angles and colors and things and i sort of love that that they're so different yeah, like that's great like let's celebrate it all you know all the all the edges of the spectrums i mean i imagine it's great for you to think in both sort of styles as you're moving these stories through the process yeah i mean i do think you know maybe that would be normally like um, maybe that would be like a, a block, like a mental block, but like I feel so comfortable with both Meredith and Mattia that I can just close my eyes and like sort of picture what they're going to do, although they're always surprising me, so. Well, I mean, I, I would guess it would help you keep the story, your brain separated from the, yeah, so you're not I, sort of. I think the stories are very different, so that probably helps too. I mean, there's um, there is a supernatural sort of science fiction element to the cult as well, but it's basically set in our world with like one sort of twist, as opposed to, hey, let's build a whole new civilization whole cloth. We have time for that, right? <laughs> uh, shouts to Alex Segura in the comments saying the cult looks amazing. So yeah, he's already there you go. Alex he's is so there. great. Alex yeah. is so good. great. Um, I also uh, wanted to shout out your Black Widow run, Kelly. One of my oh, faves. I thank you that. so much. I love it too. I do have a pitch going in to Marvel for sort of continuing that, but I'm, uh, I'm very concerned that too much time has passed. Um, and I also don't really want to do it if we can't sort of bring back the original team. And that gets harder and harder the further out we get. Not Marvel's fault, but just, you know, yeah. sort of the reality Life. of how it goes. Yeah. Well, I'll put my little prayers behind my fish as it flies, <laughs> it flies into the inbox. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, excellent. Both of you, thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on the book. It's awesome. I can't wait for people to check it out. And I can't wait to read more issues because yeah. I love the first one. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Yeah, thanks for the support. And, uh, and, and say bye um, to, to Pete for us. Yeah, no, Whatever he's so he upset. His his, the, his power went out actually somehow. Yeah. Oh, oh no! But he he was so excited to talk to you both about this book, so he's um, uh, going well, to be sad. About tell it. him we appreciate it. I hope his power comes back on. A lot of us have been there this winter so far. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. All right, have a good night. Thank Thanks you guys. Thank Take you. care. Take care. Right. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Okay, I think we got that figured out. Check out Black Cloak ah. coming out tomorrow from Image Comics from Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren. It is awesome. Do so not good. miss it at all. And we are going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. Whoop. 
And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question here in Crowdcast and Q&A. Um, unfortunately, YouTube went down as well. We're having tech disasters all over the place tonight. Oh, wow. But uh, we maybe do have a that's... question over... Maybe Pete YouTube. runs YouTube secretly. That would make a lot so. of sense. I think so. Uh, but we do have a question over there before it went down from Prime NRG. Well, when it comes to viewer questions, can you answer one for me? I'm visiting NYC for the first time in a few weeks and curious to know of any must-go-to comic book spots. Ooh. Comic book spots. Um you mean like the Statue of Liberty where um, all of the Spider-Men fought? Uh, yeah, I guess like that. I assume more along the lines of like, you got to go to Midtown Comics. Great store, Because yeah. it's a great store. Forbidden Planet is my childhood store. You should check that out. Uh, Any War Comics in Brooklyn is very nice. In terms of other comic book stuff, um, I don't know what's open at the current time. Necessarily. I know it's in pandemic. A lot of, uh, or at least some places closed. Um, I did hear about a good comic book shop that I haven't visited yet in Brooklyn. But I think um, someone, maybe you, Alex, is giving me shit because I hadn't gone there. Anywhere comics? Uh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like around the block from you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's close. <laughs> I gotta go there. I didn't think of it till just now. I mean, I, I've been, I've sadly converted to mostly reading um, digitally. Uh, so I, I don't go to money comic book shops anymore. Oh, someone any just one hand- comics, any one, any one, yeah, any one. Um, someone just handed me a, a paper comic. Um, I, I was in an office yesterday, and they were like, "Check this out." I was like, "Oh my god." It's so different. I, I was, uh, and I sure I have my old comic sitting here, but a new comic printed on like different paper. Wow! And Holy. isn't there? I actually don't know that I've ever been to this, or at least I saw it once, and then they moved it. But the Captain America statue isn't that still in Brooklyn somewhere? No idea. I don't. I don't think I've ever right. visited that. Cool. There's also that uh, creepy comics warehouse in Sunset Park that Nat keeps recommending. Oh, that, that, that Nat I, went to the, I went to the stairway once and I was like, this is scary. I'm not going up here. I love that you got scared of uh, <laughs> going into it. I mean, truly, there are comics. Uh, there are random comic book shops all over the place uh, yeah. that you can just wander past. Uh, I mean, if, if you're looking to just go to sort of where all the comics are, like Midtown has sort of uh most things so that's a good spot to check out if you want to just really get into something that you can't find at a a smaller comic book shop uh why don't we go to some questions here on crowdcast this is from pablo d martinez quantum mania has a great second trailer thoughts um yeah we were talking about this a little bit we get some uh we get a little modok reveal here right uh, yeah, there's a Modoc reveal. Of course, we get a lot more of Kang. We get Kang versus Ant-Man. Um, I'll tell you what. I don't begrudge anybody liking this trailer. It's definitely a good, solid superhero trailer. It is not what I personally want. I do not want the end game of Ant-Man movies, which is what Peyton Reed has said mm-hmm. he was trying to do. He was a little tired of, oh, and then we have a fun lark of an Ant-Man movie later on. He wants to do something that's big and important. So good for him. And clearly I know people are going to be into that. They're like, oh man, Kang's going to kill Ant-Man. Isn't that cool? I don't I don't want to watch Ant-Man die. One of my favorite things about Ant-Man and the Wasp was how kind it was and the fact that yeah. they fought Ghost, but all of them are like, are you okay? Can we help you with anything? And that that was the solution I thought was awesome. Maybe that's what we're getting from the movie. That is not what we're getting from the trailer. 
Well, and let's remember that um, back when Ant-Man started, it was sort of brought to us, the people, as like, look, we're doing a comedy. We do different genres in the MCU, and we're doing a comedy, and it's going to be fun. And it, it did a little bit of that, maybe not as much as they had initially planned. There were some creative changes at, uh, at the top of the movie. And then now it feels like this movie is like, oh, this movie's more serious than anything else, which is the cardinal sin of comic book movies. It's why DC can't figure their, their shit out because it's so self-serious. The Marvel Secret Weapon was not taking themselves too seriously, and this movie feels like it is Ant-Man, uh, like principal Ant-Man. It's it's definitely I don't know. I don't know if it's a response to phase four and people being a little mixed about some of that stuff. That's potentially what's going on there. So they're selling this as like, here we go. We're beginning. Here comes Kang. Get ready. This is the big phase four five. It's all starts here, which is also a very comic booky thing to do. I do have a suspicion it's still gonna be goofy because we got goofy stuff in the first half of the first trailer there's some potentially goofy looking visuals that we also have the very classic muddy weird scape that's all been cgi'd and they've done it all out of green screen the scape like scapes like scapes that you cook with Mm -hmm. exactly um so i don't know i don't know i i was not into it but i'm glad for anybody who is uh, this is from Edward Doherty. Do you have any thoughts or analysis on the recent talking point of comic creators claiming they haven't been paid by comic companies in a timely fashion? Uh, well, I don't know if this is a recent talking point so much yeah, as a perennial ongoing. talking point from the <laughs> history of comics. But what do you think about this, Justin? I mean, I think that's um, an ongoing thing. And, and I think um, we we are in we hear from create comic book creators a lot but that's like sort of a, a a culture or a business-wide thing when it comes to paying creatives in a timely fashion it is often a lower priority to pay um the creatives because they are sort of willing to wait a little bit more than like the person that um brings the uh camera to the set or like something like that like the more um, production-based things. Like, you have to pay the printer if you want the comic. The creator will wait a little bit longer. So it's unfortunate. It's something that um, I feel like everyone goes through phases of being a little bit better about it and then a little Mm -hmm. bit worse and better and worse. It's always better for the corporation to hold the money as long as they can, and that's the creators suffer when that is what happens. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, this is a little bit, several things from Straight Bullet. We discussed this in the Slack a little today, and I was wondering if anyone else had kept reading We Only Find Them When They're Dead. And if you have, what the F is going on? Also, all hail giant Modoc head. I will say, we touched on this briefly with the Ant-Man Quantumania trailer. Modoc head, great. All into that. Modoc head, um, great. What happens when that head talks or does anything besides just be in the back of a shot? Well, that's going to be crazy. The speculation, which I think is probably right on par, is that's I don't remember the name of the actor, but Darren Cross, the character, the villain for the first movie, Yellow Jacket. We recently rewatched Ant-Man. And what happens when he gets sucked into the quantum realm is his arms and legs get sucked in first. And I think his head stays large. And then he there you go. So I think it's going to be him. And I think it's going to be goofy and silly. But yes, it might might also look terrible i guess we'll see what happens (laughs) oh but uh sorry i took away the question too fast the actual question about is uh, we only find them when they're dead have you kept up with that one 
That's the Al Ewing, like, um, God's uh, yeah. book. I have not. Um, that book, I think we read the first two issues for the stack. And after a while, I was like, I don't know what's happening here. And I, I haven't picked it up. I would. I, Al, Al Ewing, I feel like there's always something going on that's worth reading in those books. Yeah. Um, I also didn't keep up with it because I thought it was beautiful, well-written, but I wasn't quite sure what was going on. Uh, <laughs> past, past the meeting, God beated the first issue. I was like, this is cool. And then subsequent issues are like, I can't follow this. I'm sorry. Mm. But there you go. Last but not least, we got here from Kevin. What are some of your favorite subversions or deconstructions of classic tropes in comics or other media? Ooh. His favorite subversions or deconstructions of classic tropes? Well, Watchmen, for one. Oh, wow. Good. Good answer. Wow. I can't believe you thought of that. That's such a good, such a smart Mm -hmm. answer there. Because, like, the good guys are sort of the bad guys. Yeah. Um, Subversions of classic tropes. I mean, it's one of those questions that it takes your brain a second to like uh, clock the sort of larger, Mm -hmm. very big abstract question. But I mean, like, I feel like we've had so many uh, versions of like subverting the secret identity thing. It keeps happening where it's like we reveal the secret identity to the world, deal with the after effects, and then it gets all put back in the box. Um, And that that moving back. I I like the tropes that we can fully subvert and then commit to them commit to the yeah. changes and there aren't as many of those yeah yeah i'm sorry i don't have a good answer for that necessarily other than watchman which is now stuck in my head uh edward doherty says i did it 35 minutes ago kevin says non-superhero tropes i don't know you're not helping kevin i'm sorry you mean like Thank human you. tropes yeah. like um like, like looking for love for like seeking oh. love <laughs> I'm not sure. Trip. This is a bad answer. I'm sorry. And that's it for your audience wow. questions. <laughs> Just pure apologies. And normally we do trivia, but Pete's power is out, as we said. So I think we got to jump ahead to what we're looking there's, forward to. There's not much after that, though, Alex. I so, know. We're kind of wrapping it up here. Justin, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I mean, legitimately, I would say um, Black Cloak number one coming out is yeah. like so good. And uh, oh, look, Pablo's saying he's got his hand up, but he will be back next week to do it. <laughs> Great. Keep it up all week, Pablo. Never put that hand down. And we'll know if you take it down. We will know. Yes. That is great. Um, I'm, so oh, uh, are you going to throw out something else? Go ahead. I was going to say um, uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat um, over at Marvel. Uh, I love Jed McKay's Black Cat stuff. I think I've talked about that a lot. The Dark Web uh, crossover has been purely pure insanity uh, across all of the books. The main title feels as wild as any of the spinoff books. But this book is not is doing all of that wild, weird stuff in limbo, but also uh, putting a, uh, a great relationship question between Black Cat and Mary Jane, who've developed a friendship over a few story arcs. And Black Cat is sort of dating Peter Parker. And Mary Jane is not, and Black Cat, in the middle of almost dying at the hands of Belasco, is struggling with, should I tell her that I'm sort of seeing her ex? And it's real. I love that. I love the way that Jed McKay is able to be wild and weird at the same time, getting a core emotional question out on the, on yeah. the story. Totally agree. That crossover has been great. I'll throw it out to Spy Superb, number one from Dark Horse Comics by Fantastic. Matt Kent. He's going to be back on the show in, I believe, two weeks at this point to talk about this book. And it does not disappoint. 
wild and trippy. Also, really enjoying Dark Ride from Image Comics by Joshua Williamson and Andre Bresson. It's a really oh, messed so up good. story set in a horror-themed amusement park where, of course, some horror stuff is going on. And uh, Human Target number 10, let's oh, yeah. talk about. It's setting up for the finale, it feels like, and it is uh, coming together in a way that you could have sat around and maybe predicted some of these things that were happening, but it's so satisfying to read it as it comes together. Yeah. All those books and many more are going to be in our stack podcast that goes Wednesday, 9 a.m. in the comic book club feed and its own dedicated stack feed. And folks, that is this for this week's show. A couple of people to thank. Thank you, Craig Rasmussen for coming on to talk about Zoops, Odds, and Ends. Be sure to check that out when that launches on January 17th. Also, thank you to Kelly Thompson and Meredith McLaren for coming on to talk about Image Comics Black Cloak, which comes out monthly starting tomorrow and is awesome. Next week on the show, we're going to have Eddie Klinker will be here to talk about Space Pilots. Also, Paul Allure, who wrote our much-beloved run of G.I. Joe, is going to be here to talk about Midnight Presents, the Butterfly House, a new project of his is coming out from Zoo. There you go. Check out the Doom Room or Doom Patrol podcast. We've wrapped up the first half of the season on that. Also, Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We have a bunch of recaps that we've done of the Marvel movies. You can check out patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Good night. Good night. Long live peace. What a show. Well, good night, everybody. (laughs) Every day. What timing. This guy can't stop.